0: Well, why can't you just do it like you've always done it? (sighs) I don't know, because I'm just not motivated. I can't seem to get going. Hey, this is Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we talk about the Motivated Momentum Reboot. Oh, yes, it's time. I'll see you on the flip. Oh, yes, it's time for us to get into it and do a reboot. Um, I'm going to just go on and say it. There are many times recently that I have found that the things that I'm able to do without even thinking about it cause um More energy to get done, yeah, and the motivation a lot of times is not there, and so I actually have been uh, doing different things to get uh, myself going, and I want to share that wisdom with you. I'm also going to be sharing a few things um, that I have used in the past, and so we're actually going to just cover a few. tricks that I've learned. And I've actually shared with other people who've said that they've gotten uh, some good results from as well. Now, you and I both know there are just times when you just don't feel like doing what you know you need to do. And I can tell you, there have been times when I have made time for something with a deadline and said, you have to get this done here. And I just was not able to pull it off. And it wasn't because I didn't have the resources, the tools, the know-how, or even the desire to do it, it was because I just could not find my uh, motivation and my drive to be able to overcome my (laughs) current situation. So if that's you, join me because we're going going to get into this and I'm going to uh, share some wisdoms with you and hopefully give you some insights and some some new ah ahas to be able to combat that for yourself as well. OK, now let me just say this. I write books for a living and it gets hard depending on the type of book or um, how far I am into a series. It gets really hard to keep the momentum going and to keep pumping them out. It takes a mental taxing toll on um, my creative process. And I'm not alone. There are many authors. Anybody say George or George R.R. R. Martin? <laughs> there are many authors known and unknown to you that uh, suffer with the same thing. And so because of that, I find that I have to figure out different ways to stay motivated to do what I need to do because I don't have... A uh punitive well, I do have a punitive strike in that my income suffers, but I don't have anyone standing over me. There is no boss. Well, I'm my boss, but but you you get it. So I don't have an external force over me, and I have to find ways to stay motivated to do what I'm supposed to when no one is watching. And and so because of that, I've had to go through some things to get this uh, wisdom smack to you today. So the first thing I want to just make you aware of is that whether You know it or not, whether you're in tune to that part of yourself or to your environment or not, there are ebbs, flows, cycles, and times that we all go through. And once you start to tap into that, it will help what we're about to uh, talk about be a little easier. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's not detrimental. It's okay. I just want to make sure that you understand that whether you realize it or not, you are always going in an ebb, a flow, a cycle, or a time. And because of that, it may be harder for you to do things, or it might be easier for you to do things. All right. So the first thing is, is when we're talking about our ebbs and flows, cycles and times, uh, I want to put forward to you that they have to do with your growth pattern, with your uh, path and your progression of what you're supposed to be doing and learning. And there are certain things about us that we cannot deny because they are in our standard operating system. And that is for us to continue to always change, always grow. And I want to talk to you uh, about something that um, is, I don't know why um, we make a big deal about it, but it is what it is. <clears throat> and that is the hedonic adaptation. And you've heard me or maybe others talk about the hedonic treadmill, how we are constantly chasing after the next high. Uh, we're constantly looking for that dopamine serotonin cycle of uh, pleasure and um, satisfaction of um always going for the next thing. And so we have a hedonic from hedonism, you know, to pleasure oneself, a hedonic adaptation um, that is in full effect. And your ebbs and flows, cycles and times, a lot of times can be um, powered by this hedonic adaptation. Case in point. I recently um, read an article that was very powerful and it was talking about uh, a uh, research study that was done back in 2016 of uh, looking at this hedonic adaptation and to see if there was a way for us to do a reset. And it looked at things that people had always loved, but they no longer had uh, a motivation to, uh, pursue it. And so they did different things, like some crazy stuff. Like they took people who enjoyed a, a movie, um, and it could have be a, could have been a pop, Favorite. They didn't tell the actual movie, but they took these people who admitted, "I love this movie, but you know it's okay. I've watched it so many times. I'm, I'm, you know, mad on it." And what they did was, is they tried different things. They even tried having the people watch the movie upside down, and they found that instead of doing drastic changes to the thing or to yourself, that they only needed to do a few changes. And so the one that stood out to me was the popcorn test. And this is how they said to make things new again. So y'all, if you're listening, this is a big one. Okay, so when we have, we, well, and, and let me, I think I'm jumping myself here. So in our hedonist, hedonistic adaptation, what it means is that we get bored with the things we have sought after to achieve. It just is. Whether it is uh, a thing or even a relationship. I don't care how much you love something, how much you want it, how much you've uh, sacrificed to obtain it. You get used to it. Think about that new car that you've always wanted. You finally get it. The newness is there. You keep discovering new things about it. And then one day you look around and you're not keeping it as clean as you used to. You're not babying it the way you used to. You're actually taking it for granted. And your eye might start wandering to a newer model, uh, something else. And, you know, and it's like, I can't believe it. I coveted this thing. I worked so hard for it. And now I'm looking at other cars. It happens. That's part of the hedonic adaptation that we have programmed inside of us. And so now let me go back to that experiment. So they were trying to look at how to make what you already had achieved or wanted new again, or exciting again to you. And what they found was instead of making drastic changes, like buying a new car, they wanted us to make slight variations, like possibly changing the interior um, covers of the seats or giving a new paint job. And one of the tests that they did was so awesome that I was like, that is so new. So, I mean, that is so cool. So I'm sharing that one with you. And that is, they took people who loved popcorn and they were like, how can we make you fall in love with popcorn again and make it new for you? And so what they did was, is they had a control group who ate the popcorn and then um, they had another group who ate the popcorn one kernel at a time. And then they had a, a, a group who ate the popcorn one kernel at a time. But instead of using their fingers, they used chopsticks, and what they found was that the people who ate the popcorn with the chopsticks had the most enjoyable uh, experience, where they were motivated to go back and start renewing their love of their favorite snack again. Okay, so it's slight variations with a difference, and. They didn't say if it was because of the tactile feel of uh, the fingers, you know, being used to eating popcorn or, or whatever, but they did say that the slight variation of approaching it differently is what mattered. And so because of that, I wanted to take this time to put forth some possibilities that we can do because I find myself having to do this. I have some books that are due before the end of this year, and I'm like, I got to find a new way to get excited so I can go back to just, you know, getting immersed in them. And y'all, this is real talk. This is, this is real. This is not, you know, I'm sitting high, looking low and saying you should do, you should do. No, I'm right in the thick of this. And this is wisdom working, working through me to help me. And I'm, I'm sharing it with you. So the, the next thing is when you're looking at like your hedonic, um, adaptation, and looking at your ebbs, your flows, your cycles, and your times, look at if you're on the upswing or the downswing, or if you're just in meh land. And for me, I'm looking at some of the things that I have done in the past, and I have learned, like for instance, my types of exercise. I have ebbs, flows, and cycles. Oh my gosh, I really do. (laughs) Of what I tend to like to do at different seasons, different times, and and different ways. And so, I recently got a new treadmill, and it's a new one. So I've had my same treadmill before. Don't judge me, y'all. For. A, 20 years. But anyway, it had the nerve to die on me and I got mad, (laughs) but I wasn't appreciating it while it was on his last lace anyway. And so I I went on and got, you know, other different little equipment and stuff. But I'm going to tell you, coming back to a new treadmill, it does the same thing, but it's new. It's got different buttons, different ways of doing stuff, different sounds. And I'm just like, oh, I'm excited again. And that's what got me to thinking. I was like, it's still a treadmill, but what is making it where? this is where my attention is flowing and going. And it was because it had a slight variation, all right? And so now that I know that, and I do tend to know my ebbs and flows, I am ready for <laughs> when my attention goes to something else. And all I'm gonna do is I'm going to move the treadmill into you know a different area with a different view and do a few of the things so that I can uh, test out Uh, how to keep things um, interesting, okay? All right, so the next thing is, is one of the big things that I want to cover here because it's not only about falling in love again or making something new again. No, you not only have to get excited about something to be motivated to take action, you've got to restart your momentum and keep it going. And because of that, one of the big things is that you might actually love, you know, so say for instance, you're that person who was like, I'm going to start eating popcorn with chopsticks and you get the popcorn and it sits in the cabinet and you don't take any action. You want to eat the popcorn, but every time you think about it, you give yourself a lot of different reasons why you shouldn't go in there and make your popcorn. So there's a difference even between being motivated and, ta- and taking action. And so, this part, I really kind of want to talk about this taking action. And this is a study not only on myself and others I've helped, this is also a study um, of looking at peak performance people. Mihai Ching Sink work with uh, flow, uh, getting into the flow, Enders uh, um, Erickson's work with high peak performance for expertise, and um, uh, Dr. Dispensia's work with the mind and those types of things. And so I'm gonna I'm with a limited time, I'm gonna try to cover four specific areas of uh things that you need to or what I would ask you to consider to uh helping you to start taking action. And the first one is and these are not in any specific order, but it's just you know for the sake of time, uh inertia. Inertia is uh, um, a movement or an object moving in a certain way will continue to move that way unless opposite, oppose, you know, opposing force causes it to go a different way. So if you have fallen into um, not doing anything, not wanting to be uh, motivated, it will take an opposing force for you to be able to stop going that way. Um, a, a grand example of that is a, a, pers- who, a person who is oppressed or depressed, and um, where they might have languished on the couch for an hour. Now they're up to not even trying to go to work because the couch, the, that, that's all they do. They do well to even get off of it, to go shower and get in the bed, you know. And So you can see how inertia continues to have you doing something. And But it got me to thinking, I was like, well, if that's the case, why is it that we don't always have the inertia to keep doing what we are supposed to do? And there, you know, there are other things, wear and tear, and we tend to go in the path, just like water, of the path of least resistance and those types of things, but we don't have time to get into that. So I want to kind of just make us aware of inertia and how you have to have an opposing force. And part of that opposing force is a new motivation to be excited about something again. Um, It can also be. An external force like an accountability partner, or you can actually—I'll be honest with you—there are some people who thank God for them. They seek me out, and I, I'm like, "Well, what, what, what? You know, what can I help you with?" And I'm thinking they want coaching, and they don't want co- coaching; they want accountability by way of having to check in on um, me uh, on them each um, each day. And so I have people from time to time when they have to get something done, they use my services to keep them on schedule and I'm very thankful for them and I'm very good at that, you know And so that's another way of having an external uh, component to help you to break the cycle of um, inactivity, okay? Because to me, it is, I, I think it works in conjunction with the gravitational force that it wants you to return to the ground. It wants you to return <laughs> so it can repurpose you, you know, so don't give in to it. Keep, keep fighting. The next one is uh, confusion and, and clarity. Now I've told you over and over again that a confused mind is immobile. When there is confusion, you can't move forward. And confusion does not just simply mean that you don't understand something. Confusion might mean that you have too many things that you are considering. And so I know it sounds harsh and mean, but I just say pick one. It doesn't have to be the best one, just pick one. If you can pick one thing that you are going to accomplish, and when I say accomplish, meaning that you're going to be able to finish it, that's why we we look for micro wins, small goals that you can finish. That's a great thing. The other day, um, I was uh, I got a, a, a something, a, a update. Yes, a a, a Twitter update on um, one of the people that I look for <laughs> for uh, this peak performance stuff. Uh, Dave Goggins. I've actually talked about his uh, book and his life in my, um, on my podcast before, uh, you know, Can't Hurt Me is his book. And he was running an ultra race and something happened uh, where he had to uh, bow out. And so because of that, he uh, had someone post because he's actually in the hospital, but there was something about the entire statement where he did try to continue to go and all of that. And he actually said, he says, but I'm very thankful for the micro goals that I was able to accomplish. And those micro goals included him being able to come back and make up a lot of time from when he had to stop the first time. And so I was like, you know what? That is really good. And so when we're dealing with confusion, pick one thing and if you can pick something that is going to help you to get a quick win or achieve a micro goal. And so for me, And I'll give you, for instance, I know that I have some um, books due and I have divided them up and in order to pull them off, it's a lot going on. And so instead of saying um, equal days, I have to write this much, I'm working on my micro goals right now to start getting my momentum going again, where I know that the micro goal is not going to get me towards finishing the book, but it's a goal that I can achieve. And if that means that instead of writing uh, my normal, you know, on a given day, I usually, when I'm on it, I'm usually writing, you know, somewhere around 6K, 6,000 words. If that only means that I get a thousand out That's a micro goal that I can achieve. And thus, I know that as I get that back, I will get my momentum back because when I'm on it and there are some books that I'm really into, I can have a 20,000 word day. Oh, yes, I can. So understanding that. And thank you, David Goggins, for helping me to remember that we can have micro goals. The next thing is clarity. And going with clarity, clarity simply means that you get a clear path planned to ha- where you want to go. And thus that's going to get me into this next thing that I'm going to talk about. So clarity, at most chunk things down. And when you get clear, have no more than 3 to 5 things that you want to get done. And make sure that you make them where they are realistically obtainable. Now, there're going to be some other people who tell you that's that's bull crap and all that kind of stuff. And I understand what they're saying as well. But what I want to make you know, uh, take note is that when you get clear, a lot of the things that you're going to get clear on are going to become the foundations that you're able to stand on to get you to those amazing things that you accomplished. So this is not um, something where you are giving up or are dousing your ability. No, it's just getting you back in the game. Remember, this is about a motivated momentum reboot. And it doesn't matter if you want to reach for the rafters and you're below the ground. Let's get you just even back on the ground, out, you know, uh, uh, out of the sub-basement. Let's, let's get you back up there first. Okay, and so that brings me to the difference between implementation and execution. Now, this is something that I have worked with and taught for many years. And a lot of people don't understand that there is a difference between implementation and execution. So implementation has to deal, do, it has to deal with a plan. So remember, I just talked about clarity, getting that those three top things. So when you implement, you are putting them out. Think about the outline that you have um, when you want to do something. So re- maybe when you were in school, they taught you if you wanted to write something or get something done or accomplish something, you put it in an outline and then you follow the outline. The outline is the implementation. Yeah, it is the step one, step two. A recipe is an implementation. The execution is when you actually go and gather the materials and put and use them and put the action behind them. Yes, you can have action with implementation, but just understand that you can have implementation that includes execution, but you can't really have execution without implementation because then you're just doing stuff. So, if you're a person who I like to execute, I like to execute, you don't have a plan. You just go out and you do stuff and you hope that it works. And thus, you do tend to use a lot of energy trying to do stuff, and maybe you're doing it um, inefficiently. And so, you have to be careful with your execution if you are one who just likes to go and you don't have some type of container and parameters um, parameters to um, be able to execute it because, you might get to the point where you run out of steam and you don't finish, okay? So it, to me, is important to have some type of clarity, some type of plan, even if it's a loose one that just has a container of maybe even just the scope of what you're trying to do, okay? So that you're able to get it done. All right, so now let me talk about something else that, uh, is 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 i have found recently very beneficial in understanding how to motivate yourself and keep your momentum. And that is The Four Tendencies. Now, this is a book that I've highlighted before here. And I want to give a shout out again to uh, Gretchen Rubin. And she's got a great podcast. Uh, She and a friend, they have a a podcast, uh, Happy. Happy, I think it's a podcast. Uh, But she wrote a book recently called The Four Tendencies. And she actually even has an online assessment to figure out which one of these tendency types you are. And so I'm just going to quickly go over them. And yeah, I'll p- I'll drop the link in the show notes. So make sure you check the show notes. But in her book, The Four Tendencies, she talks about the four types of people by way of what they tend to do. And so here we go. The four are upholders, obligers, questioners, and rebels. And real quickly, Upholders, those are the people who stay motivated without any need for external anything. They are, if I agree to do it, come hell high water, snow or rain, I'm going to do it. They are the person who are going to still get up and show up to work even when there is a snow advisory and they've told everybody don't come in. And it's because their understanding of their duties supersedes anybody else's. And they are kind of like, once you do it, they're the energizer bunny. Once you do it, you're going to keep doing it. Uh, She says that they represent the lowest percentage of people in the world. But these upholders, um, they can be very staunch, very unforgiving to others because they have a work ethic that just won't quit. To me, when she was talking about them, I envisioned uh, Schwarzenegger's Terminator where he just kept going and kept coming, kept coming. And so that's how I view an upholder. But the upholders a lot of times are linchpins because they get stuff done and they make sure that no matter what unless they are they are dead, they want to do everything they can to make sure they continue to do what they said they did, said they were going to do or commit to it. Then the next one, she said, these make up the majority of the population and these are your obligers. And your obligers, they do things um, because they don't want let, to let other people down. Maybe they need accountability. And a lot of times they're able to do stuff for others more so than they can do it for themselves. And so they are the ones who need, um, accountability partners. They are the ones who, they basically run the world. Let's just be honest with you. Uh, they are very group oriented. They get motivated, um, uh, by watching others and inspired and they, um, they, they're, they're just wonderful people, but they have, um, They have to have a reason for doing it because of others. And then next, there are the questioners. Now, the questioners, these are going to be the people that um, they don't like just because you say something. They are only going to really commit to doing something once they've proven it to themselves by answering their own questions, doing their research. And a lot of times they're going to walk to a different beat. If you say, do it this way. They are going to look at what you said and then they're going to go research and try it to do, do it on their own uh, to make sure that the way you said to do it is the absolute best way. So they are they are not going to just take your word for something. And then there are the rebels. Oh, my gosh, the rebels, um, they are going to have to go through a lot of things because they not only rebel against authority and external, they also rebel against themselves. And so... With them, when they have a tendency to do something, um, it's a hit or miss because they can do a lot of self-sabotaging because they tell you, you're not the boss of me and I don't want to do it. And a lot of times they won't do something that they know they need to do simply because somebody else said it or because they know it's the right thing to do. It's just in them. They have a hard time conforming. Uh, even if there are punitive measures uh, established, they still don't care. And so, yeah, so there's that. So what does this have to do with staying motivated? Well, really quickly, if you are an upholder, that is that person who does not need any external, you're not going to have to deal with uh, motivation as a form as Um, a fuel for your momentum. You're going to do it no matter what you feel like, because it's the right thing to do. But if you're an obliger, then you're going to need to possibly get an accountability partner or a mentor, you know, someone of authority over you. You're going to have to have a, a reason for not letting somebody down. Maybe you join a team and the team depends on you pulling your part. And so that's going to help you to stay motivated. If you are a questioner, you are going to have to make sure that you get your questions controlled and uh, not fall in because questioners have a rebellious side as well and not fall into um, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand why I have to do this. I don't like that this is just an arbitrary deadline that you set. and you know who says I have to have it turned in here or there. You're going to have to control your questions and find a happy medium to continue to do something. And then if you are a rebel, the first and foremost thing is to get unconfused about what is happening with you. Because when a rebel understands what they are doing and why they are rebelling, They then can take the power back to say, I know that this other person said this. And because I know that I am caught in rebellion, I am going to do it by taking my power and doing it because I want to. And so those are some of the things that you can use to help you stay motivated. So in my last few moments, as I have with you, what I'm going to say is this, that if you want to regain your momentum, understand that you have ebbs, flows, cycles, seasons, and times. Make sure that you are aware of the hedonic adaptation. To, and that means find a way to make things new again, to refall in love with the stuff that you know you need to do. And then be aware of inertia, any confusion you have. Get your clarity, set up an implementation plan, and then execute. And based on what ter- uh, tendency, personality type you are, Go forward and prosper. And yes, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Mwah! Love you, darlings. Don't forget to use our Amazon link at michellespivacom forward slash AMZ. And I'm going to see you.